My name is Abdil Leroy. Author, poet, narrator, voice actor, all-round creative genius. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Each week I announce a book giveaway for the following Friday coming up at the end of this episode. Today for Christmas I'll read another excerpt from my audiobook The Christmas Tree and next week I'll perform for you my one-man show of Kenneth Graham's Wind in the Willows. I'm going to be house-sitting this Christmas in London and as a single man it's a perfect opportunity to go into Scrooge bar humbug mode but I will get out, I will go dancing, I'll see some friends, and so on. Speaking of Scrooge, I have invented a story with a similar idea where a man is transformed by the intervention of spirits. It's called A Barmer's Dream, and you can get a free copy of that when you join my readers list at poetprofit.com, where profit spelt P-R-O-P-H-E-T. You can also get my audiobook narration of that on Amazon and Audible. So this house sit in London presents a moral dilemma because the house owners have left a real Christmas tree there and they've asked me to discard it for them after Christmas because they're away for most of January. So do I just abandon it, which is the fate I lament for Christmas trees in my book? Or do I do something more creative and loving with it as... I imagine in the story. Stay tuned. Often in these podcasts, I share some verses of another poet from memory, and one of my favourite poets is W.H. Auden. Lullaby. Lay your sleeping head, my love, human, on my faithless arm, Time and fevers burn away individual beauty from thoughtful children, and the grave proves the child ephemeral. But in my arms till break of day, let the living creature lie, mortal, guilty, but to me the entirely beautiful. And this is As I Walked Out One Evening. As I walked out one evening, walking down Bristol Street, the crowds upon the pavement were fields of harvest wheat, and down by the brimming river I heard a lover sing under an arch of the railway, Love has no ending. I'll love you, dear, I'll love you, till China and Africa meet, till the river jumps over the mountain and the salmon sing in the street. I'll love you till the ocean is folded and hung up to dry, and the seven stars go squawking like geese about the sky. The year shall run like rabbits, for in my arms I hold the flower of the ages and the first love of the world. And here are some lines from The Sea and the Mirror, also by Auden. Auden imagines Prospero's parting words to the spirit Ariel at the end of Shakespeare's play, The Tempest. Stay with me, Ariel, while I pack, and with your first free act delight my leaving. Share my resigning thoughts as you have shared my revelling wishes. Then, brave spirit, ages to you of song and daring, and to me, briefly Milan, 
then earth. In all, things have turned out better than I once expected, or ever deserved. I am glad that I did not recover my dukedom till I do not want it. I am glad that Miranda no longer pays me any attention. I am glad I have freed you, so at last I can really believe I shall die. For under your influence, death is inconceivable. Long ago, in an open boat, I wept at giving a city, common warmth and touching substance, for a gift in dealing with shadows. But now all these heavy books are no use to me any more, for where I go, words carry no weight. It is best, then, I surrender their fascinating counsel to the silent dissolution of the sea, which misuses nothing, because it values nothing. When I woke into my life, a sobbing dwarf whom giants served only as they pleased, I was not what I seemed. Behind their busy backs I made a magic to ride away from a father's imperfect justice, take vengeance on the Romans for their grammar, usurp the popular earth, and blot out forever the gross insult of being a mere one among many. Now, Ariel, I am that I am, your late and lonely master, who knows now what magic is, the power to enchant that comes from disillusion. And now this is from Chapter 4 of my audiobook, The Christmas Tree. And so twelve days and twelve nights passed. Our tree knew this because he heard the family talk of Twelfth Night. All right then, time to take down the decorations, said the father, though it seems a shame. Gently he plucked the bright star from the top of our tree and placed it in a container, and the little girl severed the line of bright lights from its source in the wall, and they were suddenly extinguished. The little boy removed but one bright red sphere from the tree and stood staring distractedly at our tree's reflection in its mirrored surface while the others worked around him. He was in that state of mind where we take great interest in trivial things to distract us from some big thing that causes us sorrow or fear. And the face of the little boy was so sad that our tree began to feel afraid himself and watched with alarm as he was steadily stripped of every bauble, every decoration, and every strand. He felt exposed and vulnerable now, though he knew not what to call this feeling, for in the forest none had ever known or heard of it. He cringed with foreboding as the boy's father, with a look of reluctance, approached our tree and hoisted him on his shoulder again. The little boy sat silently on a chair his lower lip curled downward and his face wet with tears, and our tree too, as he was carried back down the notched hill, wept to be wrenched again from his second home of comfort and delight. But none heard him. Only the boy looked up and thought he saw the branches beckoning to him as our tree was carried away. But too overcome with sorrow, he buried his face in his hands. And as our tree was brought outside, 
he began to understand the horror of what it meant for Christmas to be over, to be loved only for a season, and then cast out. Goodbye now, said the boy's father, propping our tree up against another taller tree whose base was planted in the ground. Then he turned back and walked inside the structure he had left and disappeared with a thudding sound that struck the air with doom. Now was our tree alone, very alone. Never had he felt so alone in all his life, for even in the misery of his cutting and in the terrible journey afterwards, and in that place where men exchanged trees for rectangular-shaped leaves, he had at least been in the company of his forest fellows. He began to feel cold, a sensation he had never known before, and he knew not whether it was coldness of temperature or the chill in his heart. The ground beneath him was hard and grey, and in the fading light of dusk stretched in a straight line between a row of structures like the one our tree had just left. Exhausted and frightened, he wept, and his sap poured out onto the hard grey ground. Tough break, kid, said a voice. Our tree stirred to see who had addressed him. Up here, said the voice. He looked up to see the face of the tree whose trunk he rested against. It was faded, grey, weary, yet seemed to offer a token of kindness in these bleak surroundings. I see you guys get thrown out of these houses every year, and I says to myself, that's got a hoit. You get cut down where you grow, they bring you into this stinking city, they dress you up for a few days, then they throw you out on the street. I was a young sapling like you when they pulled me out of the ground, but at least I got to keep my roots, you know, and at least I got to stay in one. At this he broke off, apparently not wanting to finish his thought. Still, you came from a good house. He continued, some of those other houses... They got cats and dogs, and you don't even want to know what they can do to trees. And some of your friends get put next to radiators, and some don't even get no water. Our tree pondered these words, but gave no answer. So the big tree went on. Eh, so you had your fifteen minutes of fame, kid. What are you gonna do? How do you know all this? Our tree asked feebly. Now you may ask, how can a tree speak? Well, if you or I stood next to these two trees on that cold winter morning, we would have heard nothing, except perhaps the stirring of twigs and the wind blowing through branches. But they do talk, only not in words that we understand. And we must go to that spirit who first blew through the ancient forest to interpret for us. "'Cause I talk to you guys every year after Christmas,' said the taller tree. And my buddies on the street, you see them over there? Our tree looked and saw two parallel lines of trees similar in appearance to the one he leant upon. We're beech trees. The people called this an avenue, but that's to give it class that don't belong. Anyways, my buddies tell me about the Christmas trees put out by them. You see your brothers and sisters along the sidewalk? Our tree looked again in the dim grey light and saw his fellows from the great wood strewn upon it. Only one or two had been propped up as he. Anguish shot through his heart at the devastation wrought upon his kin, 
Once the pride of the forest, whose joy had turned to despair, as now he heard their faint whimperings and groans. But one voice he recognised, and his heart filled with hope, compassion, and longing. For it was his sister, hewn from his side in the great forest, now lying but a short distance from him. Sister! he called. No answer. Sister! he called again, louder this time. Brother! She looked from her fallen position on the cold grey ground, and saw our tree and inwardly rejoiced. But great was her pain, and our tree knew she was dying a second death, as indeed they all must die. They must die because they were beautiful and did no harm. It is I, said our tree. My heart joys to see you. Brother, what will become of us? I do not know. All I know is that they love us only at Christmas, for they call us Christmas trees, and that Christmas comes but once a year, and when it is over they have no use for us any more. That is what I thought, said his sister. Then we are doomed to perish. Our beloved tree thought for a moment, aching to comfort her. But the one who brings Christmas, the one whom Christmas celebrates, the child creature who became a man, promised me that I would always stand with him by the river of life, and he said I would heal the nations. I pray you are right, said his sister. But how do you know all this? So our special tree recounted his dream about the figures who came to life, about the beloved child and its parents, about the three men with the staffs and the three men with the crowns, about the bright star in the sky, and about the man who had brought him this message. Amazement fell on his two hearers, and our tree felt he had brought a message of comfort to them both. Then we have hope, even if we should die a second death, said the tree's sister, at this, weak with sorrow, she fell asleep. Whoa, kid, I guess you got the anointing or something, said the beech tree. I heard about a place where nothing dies, and there's no more grief or loss, but I never believed in such a thing. But if this Christmas guy's for real, he's our ticket to a better place. Night fell, and our tree watched with disgust as large rodents appeared and crawled over the cold grey ground and over the trunks of his prostrate friends. These were not the gentle, inquisitive animals that hopped, sprang, or clambered through the forest, rabbits, squirrels, badgers, and the like, but dirty, thieving, and voracious vermin that fed on refuse and garbage. And our tree shuddered at the sight of them. And they had scarce disappeared and the dawn had scarce begun to assert a weary and unwilling presence on the bleak grey city, when our tree was stung from his fitful sleep by a thunderous roar that reminded him of the angry-throated things he heard that terrible day when he and his kin were rent from their forest home. But this engine made a deeper noise, yet more horrible, yet more menacing and relentless, that made the very earth tremble. Our trees saw two glaring lights pierce the gloomy scene, 
and on it came, a terrible, huge, angry white monster that roared and screeched and spawned angry creatures that jumped down and pulled the discarded Christmas trees from the cold grey ground and fed them into the back of that angry, white, relentless monster. And though our tree could not see behind this white, rolling giant, it appeared to be consuming his kin, for they screamed and cried out in their final death throes. Some of the trees in the path of the monster prayed for life, but many prayed for death and for a swift end to their suffering. And one by one, each was picked up and thrown thoughtlessly into the devouring white monster. Again our tree trembled and thought of the one who had promised him eternal life and cursed him for his absence now in the hour of need. And our tree wished he had never existed, had never known beauty, friends or brothers or sisters, songs or choirs or stars, that he had never even known that he could exist. He looked up to the beech tree he was leaning against. He had lived there all these years, had seen everything. Surely he would know escape from this onslaught. But that tree was asleep now, oblivious to the din, having slept through such chaos many times before. Besides, he was a deciduous tree who shed all his leaves in winter, and there was not much else for him to do in this dark season but to sleep and wait. Help! Our tree cried out, but the beech tree kept on sleeping. Help! He cried again, but the monster kept approaching. Help! He screamed with every fibre of his being, but his fellow trees kept falling victim to the ravenous, grinding, consuming jaws of the great white beast that plied its monstrous trade. Chapter 5 The boy spent a restless night, his dreams full of fear and flight, darkness and destruction. One moment he was enjoying a peaceful picnic with his family. The next, they were all being swallowed up in an earthquake, a great forest falling in on top of them. He woke with a start and realised the thunder and rumble he had heard in his dream was a garbage truck coming down the street. Running to the window, he looked down at the scene of devastation below. The men were about their business with all haste, and none thought and none felt and none reasoned and none listened. But the little boy looked at his tree propped up against the beech tree, saw the terrible jaws devouring every other tree on the street, and felt panic in his heart. Running downstairs, he reached the cold grey pavement, just as the great white monster was drawing alongside his tree, saw the men that swarmed from it, and the hungry jaws churning the mangled limbs of other trees as the sap bled from their barks. But even worse was the sound of those terrible jaws, devouring, chewing, grinding, roaring, as if to cry, More! 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 Of course the boy knew he was watching a garbage truck going about its customary business. It was a familiar sight on this street. 
But as he witnessed its carnage, destruction and indifference to life, his heart became that of a terrified tree, and he raced towards the scene as fast as his legs could carry him, his bare feet slapping the cold grey ground. Now one of the men seized on the tree that lay nearby, a little boy's tree. Dear brother, said our weeping sister, they have come to take me away now. We go to a second death, but my heart is revived by your story. I will follow thee and meet thee in a better place. Our tree replied, By the river of life, said his sister, By the river of life, answered our tree, choked with tears that dropped onto the cold grey ground as honey on ice. Her tree saw and shuddered in horror as one of that heartless crew seized his sister and hauled her towards the mechanical monster. And as he dragged his quarry along, a second man came the other way. Speed surged into the boy's legs as he raced towards our tree, his heart pounding. The man reached, the boy ran, the man grasped, the boy ran, the man lifted the tree, the boy arrived. No, please don't kill him! What's your problem? said the man. The boy looked up in fear. He barely reached the man's waist. What's your problem? the man barked again. Please, sir, don't put the tree in the garbage truck. You've been listening to The Christmas Tree. My full audiobook narration is available wherever audiobooks are sold. Before I go, mark your calendar for the book giveaway this coming Friday, December the 21st. It's going to be The Gourmet Gospel. And remember, whenever you read one of my books, make sure to leave a review wherever you buy books. As I'm an independent author, I'm homeless, and your review could make all the difference. Next week, as I said, I'll perform from my one-man show of Wind in the Willows. In the meantime, enjoy the festive season. This has been Abdiel Leroy.